This is the College Football Fix Podcast from USA Today Sports. All right, College Football Playoff Selection Committee finally gave us the rankings for week one of their work. And they show Tennessee is the number one team in college football. Ohio State number two, Georgia number three, Clemson number four, Michigan number five, Alabama number six, TCU number seven, Oregon eight, USC nine, LSU ten. Paul Meyerberg, broad stroke takeaways here. Tennessee number one, clearly on the strength of their big wins. When you win at LSU, you beat Alabama. Obviously, last week they were able to crush uh, uh, another really good team. Who did they play last week? I'm, I'm Kentucky. getting Kentucky, right? So they right. crushed Kentucky. Um, they, they're passing the eye test. They're passing the resume test. Was was it any surprise to you that Tennessee landed at number one? No, it was the expected going in. I mean, like you said, the key point for Tennessee is two wins against top ten teams, top ten playoff teams. And there have been like number one overall seeds who haven't had one top 10 win um, in a regular season come December. They've got two right now. So that, that's something to be lauded. Um, my only, well, I guess a couple of things. Uh, I'll save the most important point for last. I guess a little bit interesting to see Alabama ahead of TCU. I think there was some talk in terms of when we were trying to lay out how this might look, that TCU had an argument for number four because they do have a number of, of nice wins and, and two really good wins. So I had them already behind a one-loss Alabama team. is That's tough. That's tough for the Horned Frogs. Um, yeah. But I guess the two important things to take out of this, number one, well, three things. One is this is not a ranking for the playoff guys of, like, who would beat who. You know what I mean? It's not like – it's like you earn it on merit of what you've achieved. In Tennessee, you can't argue against them being number one, even if, if we talk about this game, we think they'll lose to Georgia. Um, two is, like, starting Saturday. This is all going to work itself out. Like, just don't lose any sleep over it. And the third thing, Dan, and most important thing is this is all meaningless. Um, this is all garbage, garbage time PR content. Like, this all meaningless, stupid stuff. So we don't get upset about this. There might have been a week or two back in 2014 where we had we had real outrage. Um, you know, we had people storm the Capitol on January 6th. My outrage has, has, has dissipated in unimportant things. It's, it's all relative. I will say a couple things. If you're TCU, it just stinks because this is the team, as you mentioned, the first year, 2014, they got screwed probably more than anybody, right? TCU, if you go back, they were number four in the poll. Or were they number – they might have been number three. Mm-hmm. Going into the final weekend. Going into the final week of the season. And, of course, that was back when the Big 12 did not play a, a championship game. So they end up – a, a huge win over some some team. I don't remember who it was. Um, you know, it was a blowout win, and yet they fall from three to five. Ohio State sneaks in the playoff, wins the national championship. But you know, TCU certainly felt wronged that day, and I, I think you know, it's I think it's almost like here we go again because I, I think if you look at who they've beaten, well, first of all, just the fact they're behind Alabama even though Alabama's got the one loss, that's a slap in the face. And I actually think being behind Clemson's a little bit of a slap in the face because I just think TCU's beaten better teams. They've beaten a lot better teams in Alabama. I mean, honestly, I mean, Oklahoma State and Kansas State are two really good wins, not just like from our perspective, but from the perspective from the of committee, the committee. Yeah. 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 So I'm not, I don't know how you put those two together, except for willing just to admit that Alabama's Alabama and they've earned the benefit of the doubt. But I'm not sure how you can admire wins against Kansas State and Oklahoma State by putting both those teams nicely in the polls as two lost teams and then say that TCU is behind Alabama with one loss. Yeah, it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. On, on the Clemson thing, Dan, I, I think I was shocked to see – not shocked, but surprised to see those three ACC teams they've beaten, like 2021-22, Syracuse, Wake Forest, NC State. I think once I saw that, it seemed pretty clear that Clemson was going to be was not going to be any lower than five. And Michigan obviously played nobody. They played Penn State and nobody, so they can't be. They I think Clemson has a better resume at this point to be number four. Yeah, I, I guess I would just maybe question. All right, how, how good do we really think those ACC teams are? You know, and obviously NC State's 
in a situation without their quarterback, so their record's not going to end up probably being as good as it would be. Um, you know, Wake Forest was a debacle last week against Louisville. We know that that they've got some strengths as a team, but you know, they're 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 not a top ten caliber team. So I, I just maybe question a little bit the the actual strength of that Clemson schedule. But there's no question that the committee is docking Michigan for playing nobody in non-conference, and and that's understandable. Mm-hmm. But you know, I just feel like I feel like Michigan, Ohio State. Like if you sort of put them side by side, Ohio State number two, Michigan number five. I guess what surprised me a little bit is I think their resumes are kind of equal. They're not that different. And I just think based on the eye test, week-to-week consistency, I, I feel like Michigan's playing better football than Ohio State right now. And that doesn't mean that I think that that Michigan's going to beat them head-to-head. They're going to play. We're going to find out. I don't know that Michigan you know, projects to be better in a playoff setting. I just think watching those teams week-to-week, I feel like I know what I'm getting from Michigan more than I do from Ohio State, who sometimes just does not play to their potential all the time. Yeah, we've said that a couple of times about Michigan the last month or so, and about Ohio State, the the consistency you see for Michigan and the and the like consistency of purpose of the way they play or the way they approach both sides of the ball. It's like very predictable. I guess Ohio State, I don't, I think they do have a better schedule. I think that Notre Dame win is speaking a little bit to people. Why? I don't know. They lost to Marshall. They lost to Stanford. I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be like a seven and five, six and six team. Could I don't be. get that. Yeah, I think for Ohio State, it's about game control. I mean, you look at their – they're winning games by an average of 32 points. So, like, you can do, like, a very surface-level, you know, two feet deep look at them and say, well, they're dominant. We both know, and everyone knows, when you watch those games, they're not as dominant as the final score suggests. But they are putting teams in their rear view, like, on a regular basis. They're scoring 40 points a game. So, Ohio State, two, okay. Michigan, five. I'm not that low on him, but again, like you're comparing resumes at this point and Michigan just doesn't have the resume at all. Like they're not even close to those top three and and really not even to the top four in terms of who they've beaten and how many good teams they've played. Yeah. The big thing for them in a couple of weeks is when they play Illinois and Illinois sitting right there in the top 20. And that's going to be a important opportunity. I think for Michigan to add some heft, obviously it's, not that they have to win that game to win the Big Ten. They have to beat Ohio State. We know that. Right. Uh, but I just think in terms of where Michigan gets slotted going forward, I think Illinois might be a game that if they can win that and look good doing it, it might spring them up a little bit, certainly may, may leapfrog them over Clemson. Now let's talk a little bit about – might as well just get to uh, the Pac-12 here, Oregon number eight, USC number nine. Is it is it too – is it too much of a climb right now for the Pac-12? I don't think so. I mean, especially for Oregon. I think Oregon's the favorite there. They play a number of good teams down the stretch. They've got like three. I mean, if you count the Pac-12 championship game, they've got four really good games that they're going to play, really yep. good wins. So I believe in Oregon, not just like in the sense that I believe that they're the team that can do it. I think Oregon is in position, even with that loss, to like be there as an option. I don't really buy into USC or UCLA. Though UCLA's got a pretty easy close. Like other than USC, they're gonna they're gonna win three games. It's like Cal, uh, Arizona, Arizona State for UCLA. So they've got a path, but the, the hopes for me are pinned on Oregon. Um and I think that they can get there. But um the key will be for starters, I mean Alabama can't win the SEC. Yeah, they're That's gonna like need Alabama first, but... right. They are gonna need Alabama to fall out of it. They're gonna need TCU to stub their toe. At some point, like TCU is going to have to lose a game. Obviously, the Michigan Ohio State thing will will sort itself out. Uh, the Georgia Tennessee thing will sort itself out somewhat. Although we can talk about scenarios where they both get in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think where it comes down is if we get to the final day and you've got, you know, Tennessee uh, as the SEC champion undefeated. You've got Georgia with the one loss, mm-hmm. and you've got Georgia versus Oregon, one loss Pac-12 champion with Georgia beating them head to head in Week One by forty-six points. That's where it gets. That's where it gets uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah, that's going to be tough. 
Yeah, you know, and and it's just week one, but I guess like a couple, like an Oregon kind of related takeaways from the first poll, the first rankings, like Michigan number five. Maybe that means Michigan, if they lose to Ohio State, they're out. Like there's no 11 and one back door for Michigan. TCU number seven and eight, no. Maybe that means at 12 and one, there's there's maybe no path for TCU in a, in a non-chaotic, non-chaotic normal world. And maybe there's no way for the Pac-12 to get it without an Alabama losing. I just we can't make too much out of it, but I think the first rankings do give you a glimpse into what the committee feels about specific teams. And maybe it's fair to have doubts about how they feel about a Michigan or a TCU or about this top half of the Pac-12. It's a really good conference and they're playing really well. I just don't know if they're really seriously in the mix for things without like two breaks. If you need more than two breaks, you're in trouble. I found in the playoff. All right, so what if we get to a scenario here where Alabama goes on and wins the rest of their games, Georgia beats Tennessee this weekend, win, and, and Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and Tennessee is sitting there with one loss but all those good wins. Are we looking at a potential three SEC in the playoffs? Yes, yes. absolutely. Oh, um, absolutely. that will make some people upset. Can you match it? I can't wait. I can't wait for that. I am so hopeful that this happens. I am, as I said last week, I'm almost a nihilist nowadays. I'm pretty. I'm definitely an anarchist. Let's burn this whole thing to the ground. Burn it down. Burn it down. Burn, burn down everything. And let's burn it down with three SEC teams. I think that would be exactly what America needs, has earned, and deserves in the year 2022. Would not be real popular uh, with no. the rest of no. the conferences, I don't think. I don't think, but look, like you are envisioning a scenario that is not stupidly. Oh inaccurate. no, it's very, it's very plausible. Absolutely. Want to also shout out the other, I think, interesting thing in the rankings. Tulane was number nineteen as the highest ranked Group of Five team, so that puts them in in pole position to go to the Cotton Bowl, uh, which would be amazing. Now they still have games at the end of the season against UCF and Cincinnati, so that will uh, determine who is is in there. UCF beat Cincinnati last weekend, and and they snuck in there. I think they're number twenty five, mm-hmm. so or twenty four. So uh, looks like as we've been saying, the AC the AAC is probably going to get that bid as the top group of five team, and Tulane right now is the one who has the best resume. That win over Kansas State is uh, still holding up pretty darn well. Yeah, and, and yeah, it, it's the statement about the American that is really important to underline. Like you got a two-loss UCF team, two losses out of the group of five in the top twenty-five from the American. They're the second-place team right now in the standings. Um, UCF's pretty good. I mean, they just beat Cincinnati, no doubt. But that says a lot about the American. So Tulane does have three killer games. It's UCF, Cincinnati, and maybe Houston if they win both or whatever. But there's uh, uh, unless you're a three-loss team from the American as the champions, I think we can safely say that that champion's going to go and uh, and reach the, the access bowl. Unless it's Houston at 10-3, and three, in which case maybe like South Alabama or Coastal or Boise gets in. But the Americans, obviously, you know, they're the king of this thing. They're, they're in charge. All right, so that's the rankings. That's where we are with the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. We will do it again next week to just see kind of how things shift because we have a massive weekend coming up, which we will talk about. But let's get to some of the off-field stuff going on right now. Auburn firing Brian Harson. finally. Uh, obvious this was going to happen. In fact, we've been waiting on it for weeks and weeks. I guess they wanted to just sort of get their AD situation settled before they actually – uh, pulled the trigger on this, and they did get their AD situation uh, figured out. They are hiring John Cohen from Mississippi State because you cannot do anything in the SEC without uh, the SEC inbreeding that we see goes on. I mean, it is truly amazing. Texas A&M or Texas A&M loses their athletic director to LSU, Scott Woodward. They then hire their athletic director from Ole Miss, Ross Bjork. You have Florida, which hired Mississippi State athletic director Scott Strickland. And now you have Auburn hiring Mississippi State athletic director John Cohen. So there is a a lot of uh, a lot of SEC 
administrative inbreeding in these decisions. But I do think it signals this. They're not going to do what they did last time and hire a guy from outside the the circle. You know, they went out and got Brian Harson from Boise, never worked in the SEC, kind of an outsider kind of guy. That ain't happening again. This is a hire that says we are going to lean in on SEC experience. And obviously that will point a lot of people toward Lane Kiffin and toward Hugh Freeze. Probably gonna say Jeremy Pruitt. Thinking, like, might as well. I mean, you're going to get it. Look, uh, um, I thought, it, and like in terms of the coaching search, this this is Auburn. It could go any number of ways, and any number of stupid things could happen. I just, I don't. Uh, I'm not like the charter member of the Brian Harson fan club by any means. But they put out a statement yesterday from Auburn, and it, it was like the coldest statement that yeah. I think I've ever read. It didn't even have his name in it. No, it just seems vindictive. And it seems unnecessary. I mean, what did he really do? I mean, he coached football bad. He coached the ball game badly. So we're like, kind of imagine we're going to just pretend he doesn't exist. I don't. That's just so stupid. Um, Harson needs to go back into nothing closer than the mountain time zone. Just stay in the mountain or the west or the Pacific time zones. And don't ever even leave there. Even if you have a non-conference game in Central or Eastern, don't go. Just stay there. For Auburn... They're going to pay $10 million for somebody. I hope it's Dion because I want that for the SEC. I want that for college football. But, yeah, like you said, if you can get Lane Kiffin, uh, do that. Don't overthink it. Yeah. First of all, just a word about Harson. It was the wrong hire. It was a bad fit. I don't feel terrible for him because he's going to end up making a whole lot of money. Uh, more money for that year-and-a-half work he did at Auburn than he would have made like what, in like a decade at Boise State or maybe maybe seven, eight years at Boise State. So I have no you know, sympathy in, in that respect. But I do have sympathy for the way he was treated. He wasn't treated well. They tried to gin up this um, sordid off-field rumor business oh, yeah. in the offseason to try to get him fired for cause. Uh, that didn't work. He comes back knowing – Basically, he's dead man walking. They don't really play very well, and and this is the inevitable result. Um, man, Auburn, it's 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 the most Auburn story possible. And you know, if you look at the history of Auburn football, there's the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And it doesn't matter how high the highs have been, they will can your ass whenever it goes bad, and they will not wait and they will not be nice about it. Uh, I love the Kiffin thing because I feel like Kiffin just won't care about that craziness. Like it's just kind of, he's just into memes nowadays anyway. And I think that the Kiffin Saban in-state interplay would just be fascinating. So I'm all for that. Um, and I hope it kind of works out. If not, I don't know if Dion's really serious. I think this is something that could really happen for Dion at Auburn. Yeah. I mean, We'll see. We'll see. I, I just sort of wonder, like, how good do we think this job is? Because you can certainly make an argument that, all right, they won a national title in 2010. They they come within a play of doing it again in 2013. Um, you know, they've had you know, big seasons in the past. They had the one year with Terry Bowden where they went undefeated, but they were on probation. Like they, they have these unbelievable highs, but a couple things strike me for one. I just think the sec is, is, is different now. It's a little bit more um, difficult and, and dynamic. Uh, you, you obviously have the Saban factor, which, which is to our knowledge, not going to change or go away anytime soon. Also, you know, those two big years that Auburn had was pre-Kirby Smart Georgia. You know, mm -hmm. that was Mark Richt Georgia. That was a very different beast, a different animal. And, you know, you look at Auburn to succeed there, you've got to go recruit and, and beat out Georgia for players in Atlanta. You've got to beat out Alabama for some players in state. You've got to, you know, beat out now Tennessee for players. Uh, who you're going to end up recruiting in the in 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 the region? It's 
it's not a slam dunk to me that Auburn just, oh, you know, new coach, good hire, gets gets right back to national championship games. Yeah, and I, you, you can say that for a lot of teams in the SEC, but Auburn is a really specific one because, like you said, it's Georgia and Alabama every single year. So every single year you got to go through that gauntlet. That's that's really tough. Um, the positives obviously speak for themselves. You know, they're going to yeah. fund this program. They're going. I don't know what their NIL deal is, but they should. Big passion, big boosters, big yeah. fan base. A lot so, of meddling, a lot of meddling, but but you get a lot of support. Yeah, and I, from my perspective, uh, John Cohen's got a good reputation. Uh, I don't think he's the guy who's going to bring stability to that place. I think stability left the, the town a long time ago. But he seems like a good person to work for. You know, you can get something a little bit more aligned than what we've seen under the two previous, oh gosh, three previous, maybe four previous. <laughs> <laughs> We're still going. Um, so the most important thing for this coach is he's going to get paid a lot and he's going to have access to premier recruiting because they're going to have an NIL package. So it's a really appealing job. It's, it's the most appealing job on the market right at this moment. And uh, I wonder if it'll end up being the most appealing job. Probably not. I'm sure something's going to come up that we don't necessarily expect, but it's the number one job open right now. And, and if it stays that way, they're going to have their pick. And that's, that's a great spot for Auburn. I mean, I don't know the last time that they were the number one show in town in terms of being able to hire who they wanted. You know, you saw Hugh Freeze sign this extension over the weekend or agree to an extension with Liberty where if he stays at Liberty, he'll make like $5 million, which is just wild when you think about Liberty. Liberty paying that amount of money. They're going to be in Conference USA, which which basically has no you know no television revenue at all. Uh, he, he will clearly want the job and – that contract is not going to be an impediment. It's it's not like um, he would have to pay a $20 million buyout or anything like that. He could basically leave pretty easily. Um, if you had the choice between Freeze and Lane, which one do you think would be better at Auburn and why? First, $5 million is like, Unless you're going to add another zero on that, that's that's a meaningless meaningless number to any team in the Power Five or the SEC. Uh, I would hire Hugh Freeze because Hugh Freeze has proven he will do whatever it takes to win. <laughs> there is uh, we he is going to put the pedal down to the floor and he's just he's going to go. So I like Hugh Freeze there. Weird places just just attract and deserve weird people. And maybe the weirdness together, almost like when you when you would like do algebra and there was like a negative on one side and you were doing things where you were Xing things out. Maybe the weirdness will just cancel each other out and they'll get back to normal. So I would go with Hugh Freeze there. Hugh Freeze is hungry. He's maybe a little bit cheaper than Lane Kiffin. And uh, um, he knows how to beat Nick Saban. Also an important thing to, to note about Hugh Freeze. He's done that multiple times and I think he's done a heck of a job at Liberty. Like yeah. you look at what they lost last year. They had a quarterback in, in Malik Willis who, you know, people really thought was a really good NFL prospect. They come back this year. I mean, he's, he's won games, you know, BYU, they've, they've beaten Virginia tech. Uh, they've beaten, they came, they came within a point this year of beating a pretty good wake forest team. Like they, they've done some stuff there. So um, I don't think if you're Auburn, you would have any qualms about freeze, uh, from a from a football standpoint, I think you know the stuff that happened at Ole Miss long ago. I mean, it's it's so long in the past. I don't, I, I don't. Yes, you know, if they're on college game day, people will bring signs and <laughs> you know and all that stuff. But I don't think there's any real impact to that stuff anymore. Um, you know, but the the thing is with Lane, he he certainly knows how to work this era of roster building and he's proven that he can flip a roster really fast. And I think that is one of the most important things in coaching right now. If you're taking over a job like Auburn, we've said it before, you're not going to get four years to turn it around. People want to see results early and you're going to have to do that by going into the transfer portal and getting guys. What What is the, like if you could distill it in a paragraph or so, what is the deal with, Kiffin and Ole Miss like 
it's not just that he doesn't like the fans coming late to games or not showing up to games. Is there something deeper than that well, that makes you believe that he's gettable? I mean, between well, the same division? I was going to say, first of all, I don't know that he he would do it. I think on the surface, you know, some people could look at it and say, is there is there really anything that you can do at Auburn that you can't do at Ole Miss? And, you know, I'm not sure that there is. Um, but the difference is Auburn has done it and Ole Miss hasn't. So I think that's one big distinction. I think he has complained, you know, maybe more privately than publicly about the Ole Miss NIL efforts and, you know, maybe where they're falling behind or, or have been behind there, uh, which, which is not going to be an issue at Auburn. That's certainly going to be something that goes into coaches' decision-making moving forward is who's got the strongest NIL infrastructure. Uh, but I, I don't necessarily think, you know, you, you can't change schools within the same division. Uh, but, you know, it's happened before. Tommy Tupperville did the exact same thing. Tommy Tupperville, yeah. Mr. Pine Box, you have to get me out of here in a pine box. It was, you know, weeks later going going to Auburn. Um, so that, that there is precedent for it. Uh, I don't know that I would do it. I think he probably at the end of the day, um, would have more security and support at Ole Miss. But if, if the idea is, well, where's it easier to win a national championship? It's probably Auburn by a few degrees. Yeah. makes sense to me. I mean, it's, it's a better job in the grand scheme of things. It's just, it takes a rational rationalization to make it, to make the move. We'll see if he makes it. All right, uh, let's talk about what happened at Michigan over the weekend. Uh, this is ugly. This is really, really ugly. Post-game altercation in the tunnel, the infamous tunnel that uh, that Jim Harbaugh uh, and, and James Franklin got into a little spat about. Um, but basically, you know, it, it, it looked to me from, from the video we saw that uh, there were some, some Michigan State players, you know, waiting – for, for Michigan guys to get in and, and, and they were, you know, I don't know who, um, you know, who, who instigated it or who said something first, uh, but Michigan state is now suspended. I believe four guys. Uh, we're up to eight now, actually. Dan. Oh, it's, it's up to eight. They, mm-hmm. they, okay. So eight guys have been suspended. Uh, now there is, um, you know, potential, you know, legal and criminal uh, investigations going on. Uh, Michigan is uh, Michigan's not happy about it. Tom Mars, uh, our friend who finds himself in a lot of these uh, college sports uh, tiffs the last few years, he's involved. Um, this is pretty ugly. This is not what you want to see. No, it's a it's a disgusting scene, and I'm actually surprised it hasn't been an even bigger story that we're not talking more about this, considering what happened on Saturday night. Um. There's a little bit of backstory. Obviously, Michigan is rolling. They're throwing the ball downfield. That's not an excuse whatsoever for what unfolded next, but I think it did light the fire underneath Michigan State. Didn't light their fire as a football team, unfortunately, just as a like as an attacking, like warrior-style, uh, helmet-swinging folks. Um, there's a th- This rivalry has had a really ugly feel. Yeah, it has. For a few years. And, and it's really taken over and gotten worse, and not because of Mel Tucker, but since Mel Tucker took over, I think things have gotten worse, probably because he won two in a row. Um, from Michigan State's perspective, this is nug- another disgusting moment, ugly moment in a year that has gone just completely terribly and, and just horrendously, and it's going to threaten to overwhelm everything that they accomplished last year and become the new way that we look at Michigan State, not as like a program on the rise with a really good coach who has earned his money to a team that is just pooping all over itself. Um, so that that's a struggle for me. For Michigan, like, I, I don't I don't know what to say about them except for, like, what could they have done to defuse the situation? Are they responsible for defusing the situation? I don't. I don't know how to how to where to place them in this conversation. Michigan State's at fault here. I don't know what Michigan's part in it is, though. Yeah. So I, I think the point you made about this rivalry becoming really kind of ugly and nasty is 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 crucial. I don't think you can say Michigan is blameless in that. I think Harbaugh leans into some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. I think. The thing about Harbaugh is it always seems personal with him, doesn't it? Yeah. 
you know, in, in these sort of rivalry games, um, just sort of the way he has his 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 backup about it. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of 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 attitude there. And look, we've seen some of these ugly rivalries before where stuff gets out of hand. We've seen it like Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Um, you know, and at some point you do need the adults in the room to to get out in front of it and to say, we need to lower the temperature here. You know, we need to just take a breath. We need to maybe even like de-emphasize the rivalry a little bit, you know, just not make it such a big deal. And it's hard to do that because there's a lot of tradition and history and fan bases and, you know, the fan bases are going to do what they do, but at least between the teams and the coaching staffs, and I, and I emphasize coaching staffs because they're the ones who set the tone. There's got to be a little bit of a detente here going forward to at least attempt to bring the temperature down uh, because, yeah, this, this, is not, this is not good. They could widen that tunnel. They could build a second tunnel. Um, they could build an a elevator system or an escalator or a pulley system that would allow players to elevate over the tunnel. There are a lot of different ways they could go to remove this. This has become a situation twice in a month. Uh, what's really, I, I can't get a handle on, but I, I think we need to think about is where this is going to go. How bad is it going to get? Like, is this conversation going to peter out and we're all going to forget about this? Like Harbo is going to be like, all right, let's move on by Friday. Or is this going to continue? And is this going to become a real issue for Michigan State? And you have eight players suspended and multiple players potentially uh, being sued for for damages or even being uh, charged criminally. So let's keep our eye on this. Um, but the basic point, like you said, is they got to they've got to shoot a fire extinguisher on this problem. And the problem is not the players or even really the coaches. It's more grandly. This rivalry has gotten ugly and they got to do something about it. Yeah. J- just to address the tunnel um, situation. And, and obviously we talked about it last week with Penn state. Uh, they, they have a protocol that they're supposed to follow, which is the visiting team leaves first. And then you have the, you know, the officials and whatever, and then you have the home team. Uh, a lot of stadiums have two tunnels, so they they separate at midfield. They go in through different entrances to the locker room. Michigan Stadium is what a hundred and something years old. Like I don't think it's as easy as just build a second tunnel. Um, you know, I'm not an engineer. I don't have the blueprints to to you know Michigan Stadium but I, I I can't imagine it's just as easy as or as you know cost effective as just you know snap your fingers and build another tunnel. Uh, they've been able to more or less do these games for all this time and not worry too much about these types of incidents. So um you know maybe there's something that needs to be done from a from a security standpoint or from just how the order or teams go in there or something. I, I don't know, but um, I don't, I don't think, I don't think just build another tunnel is, is, is going to be the answer to this problem. It's my answer. That's I would build answer. another tunnel. They've got the money. Let's build another tunnel and build a really nice tunnel, put flat screen TVs on the side, make it really nice, make it just for Michigan and make the other people use the old one. That's what I would do. I mean, what's going to, what's going to cost you like a million bucks. Give me a yeah. Break. Uh, it's going to cost it costs a lot more than that. Um, you think it would cost more than a million dollars to build a tunnel on yes. the side of the stadium? Hmm. Yes. I, I don't know. Um, Maybe. Like I said, I'm I, I'm not an expert here. I'm totally just pulling this. I actually am room. an engineer. I don't know if you, you are. Knew that. I didn't. I know am that. an engineer. No. I went to uh, I went to the school of engineering, and I believe that you could build that tunnel for a million dollars. You uh, have. Uh, Experience. You, no have, you have you have all these experiences I never knew about. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working together for so long, and it's just new things all the time. Um, as far as Michigan State goes, yeah, this is uh, staining their program in in a way that will not it will not just sort of wash off easily here. But I mean, just imagine a year ago, they're I think they were still undefeated. At this point, one year ago, and you know they're talking about you know Tuck coming and 
all this momentum and you know they're winning and they're in the mix for the playoff and all this stuff and then like all of a sudden it's just to- turned the other way and they're they're a disgrace right now it's um that's that's rough yeah in the world that we live in now like if you had reversed it and this was last year and this was how his tenure started there'd be a lot of people like this Mel Tucker thing is not going to work out like they've got to make a coaching change this is not going well so that tells you how a stupid we are uh but also like that's how bad this is that has already made us over like forget about last year and look at the state of the program on the field and off or at least on the field and and in the tunnel this is a disaster program um, and they've come a long way down in 12 months. I mean, they seem like they were skyrocketing this time last year. Now they are tied for last in the Big Ten East. They're tied with Indiana at the bottom of the Big Ten East and Rutgers. All right, so let's talk about the games coming up this weekend. Week 10 already, it is flying by. And this may be the biggest one of all because at 3.30 p.m. in Athens, Georgia, we're going to have Tennessee number one in – the CFP poll versus Georgia, number three. The winner of this game is almost certainly going to play in the SEC championship. Tennessee has not been in this position in forever. I believe the last time they were in the SEC championship game might have been 2009. Is that right? 2007. So since the last time Tennessee was in the SEC championship game, Florida has been in it one, two, three, four, five times. Georgia has been in it one, two, three, four, five, six times. And Missouri's been in it twice, and South Carolina's been in it once since the last time Tennessee got there. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of stuff that's happened. Wow. The world has changed. This is the game. This is the moment for Tennessee, right? This is the moment. They've been dreaming about this for 25 years, almost. Like, this is the moment for Tennessee. I don't know if they can win this game. Of course they can win this game. I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win this game. But, like, this is the moment that Tennessee has been waiting for. It's actually really cool, um, especially for someone like yourself who has such a, a deep and undying true friendship bond with yes. Tennessee's fan base, and they just so beloved. It is a nice moment for them. Um, as I'm saying, it, I realize how ridiculous it sounds. They've been waiting a long time for it. It's cool to see it actually play out for the first time in 25 years. As uh, producer Emily points out, the iPhone was announced January 9th, 2007. So basically uh-huh. the iPhone came out the same year Tennessee was last in the SEC championship game. Nice. <laughs> okay. So from a football standpoint, the question is just, can can Georgia stop Tennessee's offense? Because nobody else has has been able to to this point. And what has happened in some of these games, like if you look at the LSU game, uh, I think even maybe the Florida game to a certain extent, you know, Tennessee just sort of gets out and gets loose early. And they're they're, you know, especially when they're on their their script plays early, like they just go out and and do it, and you feel like you've got a break serve and you just can't, and if you don't score, it just becomes this runaway freight train. Like that's what happened last week with Kentucky. Now Kentucky played horribly, yeah. Um, but but the whole point is they played horribly because they got behind right out of the gate, and then they had to get out of their comfort zone of how they wanted that game to play out, uh, and and so they made you know they made a lot of mistakes. O- only Alabama really has has truly kind of punched back on them. Um, so, like, what do you think? I mean, Georgia, they lose Nolan Smith. That's a big loss. Peck, yeah. uh, Toral tear. But um, how are they going to do it? How are they going to slow these guys down? If we believe that they can slow them down at all, I think it's by – and this is the problem when you lose a player of his caliber. It's like I think you slow down Tennessee – by always having someone on hand and hooker who's chasing him down on almost every single play, like making him uncomfortable and no team has made him uncomfortable. Like no, not, not even really. remotely. That's incredible. Like, like not even remotely uncomfortable. He's always clean. He's always poised in command because he's not under pressure. I think Georgia can bring pressure. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as effective 
uh, with the injuries that they've had, but they can bring pressure on Hooker. I think they can put resources on Jalen Hyatt, who's like the guy that you've got to stop in the passing game. They're going to have more success than any team so far defensively. What I, I think gives Georgia a really good chance, if not just makes them the, the pretty clear favorite to win this game, is I think they can establish a running game, unlike in Alabama, and they can wear down Tennessee, and they can like put their weight on them as they do, and eventually like win a game that goes four quarters and, and win it 35-31 or 35-28. So I am picking Georgia here. It's not like with utmost confidence because I really do think Tennessee has earned this spot and has earned this 8-0 record, but I think Georgia is built to win this type of game. They, they basically constructed themselves on defense and now on offense to win these kind of games and win this style of football. So I'm picking the Bulldogs here. Yeah, so it's interesting with, with Georgia. They, they had that game October 1st against Missouri where they looked really bad and almost lost probably could have should have lost uh they squeak it out they come back the next week they they crush auburn kind of reestablish who they are um they take care of vanderbilt 55 nothing but you know whatever it's vanderbilt they they have a bye week they come out and they're they're just doing whatever they want against florida early in that game i turn it off Mm -hmm. uh, because it just was very clear that Florida wasn't going to win the game or, or even come close. And then all of a sudden they turn, turn it over twice early in the second half and they get bored and it's 28, 20 kind of out of nowhere. And um, then like from there, Georgia just puts the foot on the pedal again. And, you know, it was, it was pretty spectacular the way they were able to finish that game. So I do think that over the course of the season, they've evolved. I think they can do it different ways offensively. I think they're definitely going to try to control the clock with the running game, keep the Tennessee offense off the field as much as possible. You know, maybe you know use Bowers, move him around a little bit. You know, get him some some quick short passes, test test those linebackers. So, I think there's things Georgia can do. Um, I think it probably helps Georgia a little bit that the Tennessee did get ranked number one. I think Kirby's going to use that in in a pretty dramatic way this week. Having said that, I'm going to pick Tennessee just because I don't know. It just seems like the stars have aligned and, and sometimes when that happens, you just don't fight it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I agree with you. Tennessee is having a magical year. They have been playing with enormous confidence and, and the point you made earlier, uh, I think to echo it, if they can do to Georgia in the first 15 or 20 minutes, what they did to Kentucky and, and what they've done to, to countless teams, even Alabama, they can come out hot and they are the ones who are forcing Georgia to kind of play at their pace or to play yeah. our style. Then that's, that's the winning formula. And they can absolutely do that. If they win Hendon Hooker is your Heisman trophy winner. I can see no way at all that he doesn't win it unless they collapse down the stretch. And uh, Tennessee is the SEC East champ again, unless they collapse down the stretch. It's just a remarkable, a remarkable turnaround for Josh Heupel and for this program. 7 p.m. Alabama LSU actually kind of gets second billing this weekend, which is is crazy when they're both in the top ten. Um, so Alabama has um, not been great on the road, and now they got to go on the road against a team that's playing better, playing pretty well. Yeah. LSU is six and two. The start was not ideal, but. They're coming off a bye and two weeks ago crushing Ole Miss at home 45-20. Uh, it's, it, it maybe doesn't feel like it, but this is for the SEC West pretty much, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. mean, like LSU still got to go play at Arkansas and at A&M, but if they end up winning this game, they're almost certainly going to play in Atlanta, I guess, or I guess – yeah, I mean, I, I guess if they lost if if they lost one of those other two, then Ole Miss could could sneak in there. But they got uh, the tiebreakers, so like the odds would are are heavy LSU if they win this game. That would be crazy, LSU. Wouldn't I'll it be? Your, yeah. Um, are you picking LSU? I feel like you're kind of no towards that. You're not. No, no, okay. no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not either. But like you said, Alabama stinks on the road, and that's not like oh, we were bad on the road last week. They've been bad on the road since last season. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a maturity issue or like we don't trust our offensive line issue and we can't do the things we want to do issue. But 
anytime they go on the road, Alabama's in trouble. And LSU is rapidly improving. I just don't know if they're at the point like right now, game nine, year one for Brian Kelly, they're going to win this type of game. So I feel comfortable picking Alabama, but with the caveat that bad things happen for them when they go on the road, it's going to be nighttime in Death Valley while things happen there. Um, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I don't think either team is like necessarily in the top five elite nationally by any means, but I do think this is a nice game, a really good game. It's nice to see both these teams back on top. Yeah, and and it is worth mentioning, and we didn't talk about Alabama-Mississippi State from from the week or before, but on, on paper, on, on the scoreboard, it said 30-6, to six, so you kind of think, all right, Alabama got their mojo back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they – they they got the message after losing to Tennessee and and they're on the right track uh, and and they did in that game button the penalty thing up a little bit they only had three penalties but they only had 290 yards of offense in that game you yeah. know what I mean so I, I'm not sure that it's is quite as simple as all right they blew out Mississippi State they're they're back that didn't that didn't maybe feel the way a 30 to six game normally feels. Yeah, that was like a 2012-2013 Alabama win, if you watch that game. Um, I do think one thing that that I took out of the game, having watched it, the offense is like very unpredictable for Alabama. And if they don't get their like one or two guys rolling, it's like this hodgepodge of of just like Bill O'Brien just trying a bunch of different things. It doesn't seem to work very well. But defensively, they did such a good job against Will Rogers and the Bulldogs that it made me feel a lot better coming out of Tennessee. And if you look at the bigger picture, even with that Tennessee game where they gave up 52 points and all those yards, still like a top five defense in the country in, in almost every single metric that you want to care about. So maybe this defense is good enough to carry Alabama, you know, past LSU, past Ole Miss, and back to an SEC championship game. I just don't like this offense. I think this offense is dull, um, and I do think they need to shake it up a bit. They need to get back to the dynamic explosiveness and less predictable. It's been more predictable under Bill O'Brien. All right, so now working backwards to the noon window, um, Ohio State at Northwestern, 38-point favorite. <laughs> uh, I would actually take Ohio State. Yeah, that like seems fair. That seems fair. Ohio State scores 45 points every game. And Northwestern, and Northwestern can't do anything. Right? So, yeah, I'd go for it. Uh, what did you think of Ohio State last week, by the way? I mean, they they were down in the fourth quarter at Penn State, and then they were able to flip the game very, very quickly. Uh, I just, you know, it, there's just an unevenness about the way Ohio State plays. The scores look good, but they they just don't do it all the time, and it mm-hmm. it it worries me about them a little bit. Yeah, I was going to mention them on the to piggyback your point about Georgia, like looking up at the scoreboard against Florida and be like, oh, oh, oh we need to try again. Um. The race for the like how to win a national championship nowadays compared to 20 years ago, 25 years ago, or maybe 30 years ago, it's really different. Like you just have to get there. And getting there means that you don't have to be perfect. You just got to get there. And when you do get there, it's the teams that are able to play at an elite level for even 30 or 35 minutes that win these football games against other elite teams. So when I see Ohio State struggle and they're down 21 16, and then drop four straight touchdowns or four straight scoring drives, like boom, 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 just like that. Uh, one defensively, but whatever. Like when they do stuff like that, that makes me say, wow, because not a lot of teams in the country can flip that switch and turn 21 16 into 44 31 in six minutes. Four touchdowns in six minutes. All the other 34 minutes or 54 minutes, that worries me, but they do that in six minutes. Like I'm on board. Just like I'm on board with Georgia when they can flip that switch against Florida, I'm, I was more impressed than than concerned coming out of that game. Okay, fair enough. Uh, at noon on Fox, you've got TCU hosting Texas Tech. TCU gunning to be nine and O. Oh, they're nine and a half point favorites. Anything to worry about with this Texas Tech team that is four and four and just got shellacked by Baylor? Yeah, um, that that definitely. I did not see that coming in terms of that game. TCU could lose at any time to any team, any team they have left. And I and I respect the team, I respect the head coach, but they should have lost Oklahoma State. They were down 18 to Kansas State. They were in a tight game against West Virginia. Um, the Kansas game was, uh, you know, tight through the third quarter. So, like, 
they're unbeaten, but this this could stop at any time. I, I think they'll beat Texas Tech because they've got the firepower, but that's not like believe they're just going to step out and do what Baylor did to Texas Tech. I, I think that's unlikely. It's going to be much closer than that. Another team who is hanging around the playoff race and way outside of it at this point, but but just kind of kind of laying in wait, you know, just seeing what happens is North Carolina. Mm-hmm. They're seven and one. They go to Virginia this week. That shouldn't be a problem. They're seven and a half point favorites, but I actually I would take North Carolina there. They're they're um, they're playing pretty good football. Virginia's not good. They they go to Wake Forest next weekend. That's going to be a huge one. And then Georgia Tech at home, NC State at home. I would bet on North Carolina ending this thing eleven and one, which, given sort of the way they looked early in the season, is not something I would have expected. Yeah, remember App State? Oh, that game! Oh my god, they almost lost to Georgia State. They had to go on the road to Georgia State, and it was it was a it was a struggle. Yeah, look, they also barely beat Duke's good, but like they are lucky to be seven and one a couple times over. This is 2015 all over again. You remember that team, Larry Fedora? Uh, quarterback oh, yeah. was oh, yeah. uh, I don't remember, but I was at that ACC championship game. They were like nobodies. They weren't even ranked going into November. They were unranked, and they got as high as number eight going into the ACC championship. They were eleven and one. If they'd beaten Clemson, they, they could have gotten in. If they I remember have. correctly, yeah. So this is that year all over again. I just don't know if like this year the layout of teams in contention is so much deeper than we saw in 2015 that they, they probably wouldn't get in at 12 and one because of how far they're coming back from. But you got to admit that it's like going to take one little break and a win against Clemson and wake and NC state for North Carolina to be a legitimate team for the playoff. I don't know how I feel about that. Like how I would feel about this North Carolina team representing the Eastern time zone in the, in the playoffs. But you got to admit that they are they're in position to potentially do that, which is wild. Drake May, by the way, really good, yeah, really yeah. good QB. Wow, he's got such an incredibly bright future. So they're fun to watch, if nothing else. Mac Brown did it again. Mac Brown, yeah. Look, this is supposed to happen last year, so better late than never for Mac. I guess what happened was the media stopped uh, thinking they were good, <laughs> so they became good. All right, uh, a lot of mediocre games in the middle of the day. Florida, Texas A&M, eh. Minnesota, Nebraska. <sighs> These, eh. I actually had a, a visceral reaction to both of those games. Like, I had smelled something terrible. Oh, you couldn't. <laughs> actually, about, I do get paid to watch that, but I probably wouldn't get paid to watch that unless I was getting paid to watch those two games. How about Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech? <laughs> oh, How Lord. putrid is that? Oh, Lord. I, I mean, Virginia Tech is so bad. They are so, so bad. bad. They are so bad. Uh, I don't want to watch that game. Please don't make me watch that game. All right. Uh, Baylor at Oklahoma, both five and three. Oklahoma's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Oklahoma looked a lot better on defense after a bye week, but they were playing Iowa State 27-13. This will be the one that, that shows us if there's any progress being made on that front. Definitely. Completely agree. I think that uh, Baylor, Baylor, unlike Oklahoma, is better than their record suggests. I don't think Oklahoma has proven that they're better than five and three. All right, you got Penn State going to Indiana, big favorite. Illinois hosting Michigan State. Uh, stop me if you want to talk about any of these. Oklahoma State at Kansas. I, I, I want to just mention with Kansas. So Oklahoma State was terrible last weekend. Kind of shot themselves in the foot, uh, mm-hmm. and and. You know, forty-eight nothing, worst loss of the Gundy era. Kansas is five and three. They have to go to Texas Tech. They host Texas at Kansas State. They, I really want Kansas to get rewarded with bowl eligibility here because I feel like they played so well early in the season. It was such a tough break to lose their quarterback. Um, but they got to win. They got to win this weekend. I think. You think this is the one? I wasn't sure if it was this one or Tech, but they are definitely getting the Cowboys at the right time. Yeah. So maybe this is the one. But yeah, can you imagine five and zero? Oh, uh, like you're the you're the Lance Leipold, and you're imagining the the addition you're going to put on your house, the lake house you're going to buy, the the Ford F one fifty pimped out thing. 
and like and all of a sudden you're gonna lose seven in a row it's just I they think, really got to get the six. But if look, if they get the six, I think we look back on the year and we're like, wow, what a breakthrough for Kansas. I don't think we talk that way at five and seven, despite the five and zero start. I think it makes a huge difference. Um, Syracuse is going to Pitt. Pitt's actually favored, even though Syracuse is ranked. Mm-hmm. Boy, there's just not a lot here. Um, Liberty at Arkansas. We mentioned Hugh Freeze. Can he can he do it again? Arkansas is a thirteen and a half point favorite. I don't know. I think uh, I think Liberty may be maybe pretty tough here. I think thirteen is 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 high. I do too. And, and Arkansas is good. Like like Baylor, a team that's probably better than their five and three mark. But uh, Liberty has. We've talked about them before. They have beaten good teams and they've played good teams really tight in the one game they lost against Wake. So I think thirteen is like pushing it. I'd have it like seven to ten. But Arkansas could. Could bully them. They're, they've got the physicality that maybe Liberty hasn't seen. Actually, almost certainly Liberty has not seen. Uh, 7 p.m. window, Texas at Kansas State. I, I did think it was kind of, uh, I don't know, a little bit puzzling that 5-3 that and three Texas was, was ranked 24th by the committee. I don't know. I just, I mean, not that I have huge arguments about it. I just was like, I didn't actually think Texas would have been ranked. I did not expect them to be ranked going in. And I think it's 5-3 and three and it's like 5-3. and five and two and one and the 20 to 19 loss to Alabama carries a lot of weight. Texas is actually favored in this game, which I, I just, I think Kansas state's just a better team. That's stupid. I mean, Vegas always knows that means Texas is going to win. Vegas always knows, but that's stupid to me on paper. Kansas state's so good. They're not like national championship good, but they are like Bill Snyder, not 95 to 98 good, but like Bill Snyder, 99 to 2003 good. This is a really good team, which has a really good problem right now, which is they have two QBs, if Adrian Martinez is healthy, who can win games for them. Will Howard was, was just outstanding um, against Oklahoma State. So Kansas State, I, I like you don't want to look back, but if they had not coughed up an 18-point lead against TCU, we are really talking about them. But they're good enough to get to the Big 12 championship game, certainly good enough to beat Texas, and, and good enough to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. I really think this team is is very strong, very underrated. In a different year, BYU at Boise State uh, would be a really good watch. Uh, props to Boise State. They We kind of buried them early in the year, and, and they've, they've bounced back pretty nicely to, to be 6-2. and two. Um, Clemson at Notre Dame. You know, Clemson's not a huge favorite here. I don't know. What do we think here? Because, I mean, normally we would be really excited for this game. But Notre Dame has just been such a a weird team. You know, they, they did look pretty good last weekend at Syracuse. It, that mm-hmm. They looked like they finally had gotten some stuff together. I don't know. Do you buy into Notre Dame as, as a threat here? I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely buy them as a threat. I'm seeing a lot of people pick Notre Dame outright. I'm not at all willing to go that far. But they're a threat if they can get things going in the passing game, if you're one dimensional against Clemson, even like though this isn't the Clemson's defense, Clemson defenses that we've seen sometimes in the past under Venables, it's still a pretty good unit. I mean, probably a very good unit. So if you're one dimensional, no matter what, you're, you're not going to have any sort of success. I think against Clemson, um, I'm looking only at, I'm looking at QB. I want to see what, what, what DJ does. I want to see if he struggles, what they do. If he's three of eight or three of nine early for some reason, if they make another change, um, Clemson needs, I think as a team, like as a locker room, they need like, they, they need a win like this, like a convincing win yeah. to, to give themselves a little bit of respect and props because I, I don't, they're not in a, it's weird. They're, they're number four. They're unbeaten. Clemson just doesn't feel like they're in a great place. So they need this win in a big way. Yeah, it just feels like it just feels like they're a cut below, and and I don't mean that to be like critical. You know, I think it's really good that they're eight zero. Like, I think they've done well with this team. They've done mm-hmm. very well to get this team to the point it's at. It's just you watch them, and you're just you're just wanting more. You're just wanting more, yeah. and and I don't really know that they have have it in have it in them to 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 take it up to that level. So. Um, that's kind of where we are with them. Michigan at Rutgers. Michigan's a big favorite. Shouldn't be a problem. You wouldn't think the way Michigan's been playing. Um, Utah hosting Arizona, Auburn and Mississippi state, Florida state at Miami is the ABC game. Oh, really? That's the, it's the ABC primetime game. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yikes. That's not going to be fun. I expect Florida state to do some damage. That would be, that's, that's not fun. 
It's very weird. It's very weird that in the same time window, you've got Florida State Miami on network television and you've got Alabama LSU on cable. And I know the television contracts, it's it is right. There's reasons for that, but it's just it's just kind of funny. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't like that game. I don't want to watch it. I'll watch no. it. Like what, let me think. Alabama be over like ten thirty five. So maybe I'll we'll be able to catch the fourth the the chunk of the second half in the fourth quarter of that game, but that game makes me sad. It makes me sad. Like nostalgia is good, but this is too much. I'm nostalgic for a time when this these games were good and this game is not good. All right. So that's gonna be the end of the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the college football fix. We're going to drop new episodes going forward every Wednesday discussing the latest news and poll results from around college football. Subscribe to the College Football Fix wherever you listen to podcasts and find more of our content on usatoday.com and the USA Today Sports Plus app. For producer Emily and Paul Meyerberg, I'm Dan Walken. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. The College Football Fix Podcast. (laughs) 